Welcome to Smashing the Plateau. We help you get unstuck so you can do what you love and get paid what you're worth consistently. I'm your host, David Schreiner-Khan. You got to figure out how this is going to actually have a positive aspect on your life. How is this going to work for you? Today on episode 528 of Smashing the Plateau, I'm here with world-renowned chef, restaurant owner, and expert on cooking with cannabis, Cynthia Sestito. I'm going to ask Cynthia how she manages through what most people would perceive as extreme adversity and much more. You can find out more about Cynthia along with all of our previous episodes at smashingtheplateau.com. Right now, digital marketing is more important than ever to keep your business going. Your clients need to know you are here to help them deal with their challenges. Our friends at SiteHub have many resources to help your audience stay aware of how you can help them. Contact them today at yoursitehub.com. Now, let's welcome Cynthia Sestito. Cynthia is a chef, restaurant owner, and consultant. She has been in this business for 25 years. Before this, Cynthia had a clothing and fabric houseware goods company in Paris and New York. She has two dresses in the Met collection. Then in 2017, Cynthia woke up to find that her catering business was gone for myriad reasons, including kitchen fire, burns, loss of license, loss of home, and a bad partnership. Cynthia is currently trying to reestablish her catering on a smaller scale, and she's creating foods in the world of microdose cannabis. Cynthia is an alumna of the show Top Chef, and she recently appeared on the Netflix show Cooked with Cannabis. Cynthia has been writing her cookbook, a cannabis cookbook, which she is finishing up now and also working on a memoir cookbook. Cynthia, welcome to the show. Thank you, David. It's nice to be here. It's great to have you on. So you've had amazing successes with some very well-known clients. You've had some celebrity appearances, and you've also had to respond to disasters and crises. How do you deal with these monumental shifts and challenges? Hmm. How do I deal with them? Well, at first I'm terrified. And then, I don't know, you fight, you figure that you have to find a way out. So I'm kind of a crazy optimist that way. No matter, I think the worst things get for me, the more that I tell myself I have to steady myself and bounce back no matter what. I don't have a choice. So that's what happens. You know, even I don't drink, I don't do anything. I make sure that I I physically and all my little bad habits, I stop them at the moment that I start to run into really serious crisis. How much self-control does that take? I, you know, I don't think of it as self-control. I think of it more as, as a way, as I feel like it's almost a protective shield for me. If I get rid of all the craziness that I do, I tend to do around myself, which is um, I used to be a big smoker and many other things I involve myself in. There's pretty much a lot that I have not done or nothing that I haven't done, I should say. So for me, it, it doesn't it's not about self-control at that moment. At that moment, it's about I need to protect myself because I'm going through a really horrible, rough time mm. and I have to get through it. So self-protection. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah. That's how I envision it. Okay. And and how do you manage to maintain this sort of positive outlook and positive energy 
in the face of what most other people would say is like not only extreme crisis, but it seems like disastrous circumstances? Well, I, um, that's a good question. I don't, um, it's a, but it's also a hard question for me to answer because it's sort of in my nature. I just grew up in a family. My father was military. And, you know, when you something happened to you, if you were hurt or you fell, you couldn't cry. It wasn't a mean thing. It was just, you know, hold yourself together. You're going to get through this. You know, that's only temporary. And I mean, as a child, I remember that. So I, I sort of steadied myself for that. And my mother was the same way. When anything would happen or with her or in business, you know, she just, would say you just have to push on. So for me, it was, I just feel like I have to push on. I don't know any other way to do it. I'm not good with falling apart. Okay. <laughs> so, All right. you know, I don't know. No, would, would, I also listen, have a lot of therapy. It's a really important trait, as we know, particularly the older we get and the longer we've been at it. We know that um, there are lots of challenges and it often takes trying something many, many times in, in different ways before you end up achieving what either you feel is success or appears to other people to be success. Right. Well, I mean, there, and there we have a, a big, uh, that's a sort of a big chasm for me. It's what, if others feel is successful. I mean, there are people who look at me in my lifetime and think, oh, she's had great success. And then there's of course me who says I'm, I've not gotten there yet, no matter how successful I was or how great my businesses were or whether I got three stars in the New York Times for my food or whatever. You know, there's that part of me, I think that happens to a lot of people who are entrepreneurs. Or you're, it's never enough. You're never really achieving what you want to achieve. So I think that's also what propels you. I, I, would, I would say that's really true because if, if, you, if you can say, yes, I've achieved it, well, then what's the point of going on? Exactly. Yeah, that's depressing. Now that's, that's to me a crisis. If I would reach that, I would then I then I'd roll up in a ball and say it's over, honey. I'm done. So you know, it's like yeah. So yeah, I think it's that it's that need. Anybody who who's an entrepreneur or has that spirit has to keep going to the next level. You're never quite there. You're always reaching out for the next one, for the next one. Exactly, exactly. So so given given the fact that 2020 is probably going to go down in history books as one of the years with one of the the biggest disruptions that humanity has seen in a while, what thoughts do you have about how to find the light at the end of the tunnel or, or whatever, however you would describe what might come next that would be perceived by yourself or other people as a positive outcome? Well, I think... Uh I mean, that's a difficult question to answer because, number one, we really don't know. So we can only imagine or we can hope, right? And we can try to push ourselves towards what we think should be or could be a good outcome for ourselves as individuals or for those that we love around us. I know for me, I when this all started, uh, I was doing, I was really doing very well in LA um, after I'd shot the show for Netflix. And uh, I was really like, I felt like, oh, I'm getting back in my groove. I'm right back where I was a few years ago. And then this happened. And I went, what the, you know, I mean, oh my God. So that's where I gathered myself and I said, okay, you got to figure out how this is going to actually have a positive aspect on your life. 
How is this going to work for you? And so that's a challenge, you know? And again, I, I go back to the entrepreneur or people who I think challenge, you want to embrace challenge. You want to not be afraid of it. You want to move towards it. And this is a challenging time for every human being. And, and it's how well you can handle a challenge and go for it. And so for me, it's how am I making my business this little business work, this sort of grow when I can't actually cook meals for people or do these big catered events like I'm used to doing. So for me, it's been a lot of Instagram and doing these little live TV or doing podcasts, anything to sort of figure out how I maneuver into the next part of this. And I'm not sure what that is, but as long as I keep moving and doing, something's going to happen, right? Absolutely. And so let's, let's get a little more granular. So what are some of the things that you are talking about doing in these various channels? Okay. So first of all, it's every day I tell myself I can't be afraid. So that's very granular. That's like important, right? It's like, because we all are getting depressed from day to day. So I say, okay, I'm depressed. I got to just move out of this. So for me, it's like, I knew that I had to build my Instagram back up. I'm not a media, a social media person. I loathe it. I was used to in my past life uh, in, in the world of catering. I had PR people. I had a lot of people who took care of all that stuff for me. So this is like, ooh, I got to do this. I don't want to do this. But, you know, I said, Cynthia, you've got to do it because there is no one else that's going to do it. I can't afford to pay anybody. So I'm work on the social media. And that's a big part of what my business is about. I think a lot of people, because it is so digital. I mean, we are living in this world and particularly we're all familiar with it now. We're all at home. We're not going to an office. We're not, you know, we're having to communicate online or by Instagram or even TikTok or podcasts. So every day I make sure that I accomplish a certain amount of what's necessary for me to feel like I did what I was supposed to do today, mm. you know? Right, right. Did, so small steps. I cooked food, small steps, it has to be. But it's got to be consistent. You must continue to push yourself every day. And that's hard. I it, think it's hard. Yeah, you know, you it, really got to push yourself. Nobody else is doing it. And how are you, what kinds of, of steps are you taking to to work on the this... Um, new direction that you're in with cooking with cannabis? Well, I've spent the last year learning about microdosing more so than I already knew. And that's why I went to LA for a year this past year. So that was something I made myself go do, right? Just get out of New York because it's not legal and figure it out because that's a new world, a new frontier. I like that. I like new worlds. So I did that. So when I coming back here to New York, I decided that I would start cooking these meals every day. And then I'm posting them. I'm videotaping them. I'm, you know, I'm doing things. This is not something I would ever do and certainly not for myself. But every day, those are steps that I take in order to put myself out there, to not be afraid to be seen and to be stupid or to make mistakes. Just do it. And that's hard when you're my age. You know, I'm 68 years old. That is like scary when you go, oh my God, I've got to enter a world with everybody's 20, which is, I like that better anyway. I tend to like to be around very young people for that reason, because they challenge me. Uh, it terrifies me. And I know that I've, I have to learn something that's so new to me. And that's how I felt about cannabis. So 
after all these years in the food business, all of a sudden learning about cannabis and terpenes and understanding just the tip of what there is about cannabis and how it is good for us on many different levels if it's used judiciously and how it mixes in with food. It was like, for me, discovering a new herb. It was like when I first discovered rosemary as a kid or you know, some kind of herb that my mother said, oh, smell this. And I was like, wow. So that's so cannabis made cooking exciting for me again, mm. because I felt there's so much to explore. It's ex- it is exciting. It's a whole new world, <laughs> it's, it's, you know. And I'm not a pothead. I'm not a I'm not a big smoker. I don't do any of that, you know. And that was one of the reasons I couldn't like eat. I couldn't eat edibles. I couldn't have uh, a food that was infused with a lot of cannabis, like the old days, you know, brownies and stuff, because. That would just put me out of control, and I don't like that. I have to, I have to keep semblance of control for me. <laughs> so yeah, can, that's can you, the way you do it, Cynthia. Can you des- can you describe what microdosing is? Sure, microdosing. Uh, I'll really simplify this. Um, it's much more technical than what I'm going to say, but it's like in the old days, you would take uh, one stick of butter, which is a quarter of a pound, and you take 28 grams of cannabis bud leaf and you would cook it and that would be the butter that you would have the can of butter that's pretty strong that's 28 grams now microdosing is one of those grams to one of those sticks of butter so that's a big difference so instead of so your can of butter doesn't become 28 grams it becomes one gram and then a total of a course of a meal when i do these microdose dinners you never want to do more than seven or eight grams for an entire dinner and it comes slowly. So I do four hour dinners where I start with a a soluble because now cannabis comes in soluble powdered form in a THC, which is the psychotropic or in the CBD, which is the physical body, which helps to heal and cuts down inflammation and helps people that have cancer and with nausea. So, I mean, it has all these benefits and you can, you can sort of tweak it as you go along for each meal. And then then it has such great smells and flavors, these different, there are millions of different types of cannabis. So um, each one of those has its own particular flavor and smell. Some are piney, some are citrusy, some smell chocolatey. And so I mix those well with my foods. So it complements the food and you get a little hint of that. It's not like the old days where, ooh, I taste pot in here. You don't taste pot. Yeah, it's not about that. That's the last thing you want. Mm. So the impact is smell, flavor, and health. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, you know, you get, when you keep it in control like that, when you as the chef are able to control an evening with your guest and making sure that everybody is getting uh, just the right kind of high or feeling good and they're not over the top, because I want people to be able to drive home. You don't want people to have like a, a cannabis hangover the next day. And it's why you don't want a lot of drinking going on because you don't want to get people all screwed up. It's about really enjoying an evening. And there's great conversation with that. And people have great fun and enjoyment. And sometimes it's rather intellectual or it's just silly and fun. It uh, takes it, but it really sort of heightens uh, the experience of what you're going, of what you're, you know, the company you're with and and the talks that you're having and the conversation. You know, (laughs) I don't know. What more can I say? How hard is it to portion out doses that are so small? Well, you 
first of all, you know, as I said, you do, if you're going to do, you have a little scale and buy them on Amazon. They're just regular scales that I use in cooking as well. And they go down to the grams. And um, so that's how you weigh it. You weigh that out. You already know what a, a half a cup, a quarter cup of butter. So you you make that and the ways you can do it. There are a million ways and you're a million different. You can use oils. I mean, olive oils, you can use coconut oil. You don't have to use butter. You know, you can use any oil there is. Avocado, uh, cannabis needs to have oil in order to to make it work. Let's say it can't. You can't just do it. It's you can't put cook cannabis with water. It has to have oil in order to bring out the THC or the CBD, all the the components that are inside the cannabis bud. So that's that's the way. It, that's the conduit. So in in order, it's it's not hard because once you've measured out, you know, your butter or your oil. And then you take a teaspoon, you know, you know what the measurement is for that. So if it's one gram to a quarter cup of butter, then you take, you know, that's not much. So if you're going to divide that, let's say with people or in a dish, you have to, it, I mean, it would depend on the dish, but you have to break it down. Like, let's, I don't want to get so complicated here, to be honest with you, it can go on and on, yep. but you just break it down by teaspoons, tablespoons. And then that goes into the dish. And then the next dish you do, you know, you just keep, it keeps going like that until you get to about seven or eight grams in the total meal that each person is consuming. I mean, you're not going to sit down and say, here's a lasagna and it has eight grams of, uh, of cannabis in it and everybody have some because some are going to get eight, you know, some are, you know, it's going to be an odd amount. So that's why it's, it's a bit of a scientist it's scientific. It's, it's a, you have to be very precise and you've mm. got to be cognizant of what you're doing. Right. Right. So there's, there's definitely science in it and I guess there's creativity and art in it as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's, it's exciting. How, it's a, to smell it, to play with it. <laughs> how recent, how recent are some of the developments in the way cannabis is used in food? How do you mean exactly? Well, I mean, it's, it's like the kind of work that you just described. Is this mm -hmm. something that's been going on for a long time or is it relatively recent that that uh, people in the food industry have been doing what you've just described? Well, I think in uh, states where it became legal, uh, all of a sudden these cannabis dinners started to sort of pop up. Uh, by regular chefs like myself, who um, who most of them were already into cannabis. But I think in the beginning, you know, they all smoked weed, they ate weed, they, you know, I don't think anybody refined it. And then I think more and more is the, actually, uh, so many of the high-end cannabis companies uh, throughout the, the country and in Canada and all began to understand more and more about the health benefits. And from there, it started to filter down to the sort of community of chefs uh, throughout that there are ways to handle this that that are going to work. So it's, it was a process, I think. I mean, I can't tell you historically when it actually happened, but it's sort of been this process. You know, when I was a kid at 15, we had sticks and seeds and lousy weed and we cooked with it. So certainly nothing new. They've been cooking with cannabis for over 2000 years. So I think it's now just understanding that you can microdose, just like we used, you know, microdosing with LSD or microdosing with um, uh, mushrooms, things of that nature. Uh, you know, psychiatrists, and particularly in Europe, have found the benefits for little bits of microdosing that it's been more helpful than, you know, taking a Zoloft or some kind of prescription drug 
for the very same thing. So it, it's again, we're, this is all new. People are learning it. Scientists, science is more open to it now. Right. One of the things that strikes me about this whole conversation is that we're talking about trends. We're talking about innovation. We're also talking about major disruption that's going on that has really impacted the food and hospitality industry. And yes. right, all of these forces combined, you're sort of at the center of it. Hmm. Um, OK, I'm not sure what you what you mean by that exactly i'm sorry <laughs> i'm at the center of it well you're, you're 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 dealing with an area of of the food industry where there is mm. uh quite a bit of innovation going on you're also yes right you're also it, the industry as a whole has been radically disrupted by coronavirus worldwide restaurants are, are have shut down overnight hotels mm -hmm. are shut down overnight cruises have gone out of business like you, you can make a long list of all the things that have been major you know disrupted in a major way and um and here you're you're working on an area where there's this interesting innovation going on and i'm just um like we don't know what what the outcome is going to be of all this and i'm listening to how you're talking about how important it is to get up in the morning make sure that you have a positive attitude and that you accomplish enough things on your list for the day to feel like you have made progress exactly yes that is true right and and i'm seeing that these could be the ingredients, no pun intended, yeah. uh, uh, of, <laughs> of, say, uh, of some, uh, something that, you know, some number of months or maybe years from now, people will look back and say, this was, uh, this was something that was really important to pursue because of dot, 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 dot. Yeah. I mean, you have a point there. You know, I think about it. I think uh, in the last, when my life sort of fell apart a few years back, and I thought, oh, my God, you know, first of all, I felt I've, I've aged out of pretty much the business I was in, which is not unusual for chefs or people in the business or in restaurants. It's um, you do age out. I hate to say it. You know, I don't like to talk about ageism, but I knew it was coming and in one level. But so I think this made me feel much more sort of connected again, you know, to that world or to to a whole new world. And so that's exciting. And I, you know, it just felt like, oh, wow, this is something new again. This is something I can do. Mm -hmm. And that was important for me to, to find that out and to to sort of embrace that in some way, not to sound cliched about the word embrace. I'm so tired of hearing I embraced it. <laughs> but I did. It is. You know, the other thing is, is that I also give myself a lot of leeway because I am older, but also something I didn't do when I was younger. So because I was so ambitious, I allow myself to when I do wake up, I don't write lists like some people do like, oh, write that list down. You know, I have my therapist. Are you writing it down? No, I'm not always writing things down. What I do is when I get up in the mornings, I go, what can I do today? In a sense, do you know what I mean? I sort of allow myself to to make sure that I'm not going, okay, you got to do this, Cynthia. You've got to do this now. You've got to A, B, C, D. I'm one of those people, you tell me to do that and I'll just tell you to go, you know, screw yourself. Mm -hmm. So for me, I allow myself the, the ability to go, okay, what do I feel like? How am I feeling? I really try to hear myself in the morning. I, I hope it doesn't sound trite, but it's really important because then that allows me to get to start to get a little more ambitious as the day goes on. I go, okay, I can do this. Oh my God, I got that done. Oh, okay, well, let's see if I can do this next. You know, I don't want to 
I I just see people who beat the hell out of themselves trying to, you know, think that they need to do A, B, and C, and D, and they've got to do it every day, and all those bloody self-help books and all that stuff. You know, I just, you really have to listen to what you're capable and, and what it is that you think you really can do each day and, and not live by some kind of Bible of it, you know. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I think being able to listen to yourself is really important. Yeah. I mean, there's some mornings I say, screw it. I don't want to do anything for a couple of hours. And I don't, you know, I make up for it on the other end if I have to. Let's talk a little bit about the cookbooks. Okay. Where are you in, in developing the two books? Well, in terms of the, the cannabis cookbook, which is Sinfully Canna, which is the name of that company, uh, my company, that is I finished the book proposals and I have uh, all the recipes. I'm looking for an agent looking for representation. As usual, that's not easy. You know, I'm kind of one of those people who does everything herself. So I'm like, oh, well, why am I, why isn't somebody just jumping on this? And they're not, you know, they say to you uh, when you get the rejection, oh, you know, uh, there are a lot of cannabis books out there. And I'm like, well, yeah, that should be a good thing. You know, just like there are a lot of cookbooks out there. You don't say that to a cookbook author. Oh, you know, there are a lot of cookbooks out there. We don't need another one. So I think that's kind of a cop-out when agents or uh, people have said that to me. I'm like, okay, sure. Okay, you don't get it. If you don't get the idea, then you don't get it. That's cool. You know, on to the next. So that book is ready to go, you know, just looking for the representation. (laughs) In terms of the other book that I have worked on for like 17 years now, maybe. Uh, But of course, I was too young. So I realized that's why it's taken so long, because it's a bit of a memoir of my life in food. I've lived all over the world. I've had, I've come from an amazing family of grandmothers on both sides, uh, German and Southern Baptist and, you know, ranches and just, uh, I've, I've spent my whole life around food and my family. We were the, my family was the first family to do hydroponics in Durham, North Carolina for Duke University when I was a kid. You know, nobody knew what a hydroponic was. And in fact, our, our hydroponics were outside, but I, you know, it's just, it's, I feel like everything continued to keep, get me to the next level of food, the next level of food in my life. So that's pretty much been the memoirs, you know, because I've lived all over the world and I certainly have had a lot of um, well-known people in my life that I've traveled and cooked with. And um, I've had a number of pretty interesting adventures, people say, I think so. Um, but anyway, the book, uh, it's that's the book that's special to me. The cannabis is too, but the memoir book, uh, that's still a, a process. <laughs> it's still and, and it sounds, also sounds very personal. It is extremely personal. So, but that's also why it means so much to me, you know. And be truth and truthfully, I'm not a great writer. You know, I'm not. Uh, it's just never been one of my fortes. I, I, to do the cannabis book, I mean, I labored and labored and labored. You know, I can write a million recipes in two seconds because I've done it my whole life. But nonetheless the whole idea of sort of constructing something and having some kind of uh, way that it's supposed to look and be and sound, its it, that's very hard for me. And that took a lot of work these last two years. So the memoir book, you know, it's like, am I a good enough writer? I don't know. You know, it's, but I'm going to keep moving along and eventually I'll know what happens. Cynthia, what are you looking forward to? My memoir cookbook. <laughs> that's, that's what I want more than anything. I want that out. I want that out. I don't know why, but I want that out. Just because 
I just think it's a life about food, you know? I mean, there are a million memoir cookbooks out there. We know that. I'm totally not doing anything that's new or innovative. I think I know my cannabis cookbook is, and I'm not going to go into detail more about what that book is actually about, just because I've been advised not to yet. So I won't. But the memoir cookbook, I think it has something a little different than what other memoir cookbooks are about. It's got a lot of angst in hell. You know, I mean, I opened up my own restaurants, not knowing anything about the restaurant business. I went from design right into buying a restaurant business for a boyfriend because he wanted a restaurant, you know, and I'm like, well, I know nothing about this. So, I mean, I've constantly put myself in these positions of like, now what do you do? What have you done? Why did you do that? Oh my God. You know, it's like, I went to Paris, you know, well, I was supposed to just go for a year and then come back to college. And I went, oh my God, look at me. I, I'm designing. <laughs> And then I met all these famous people. And I'm like, oh, okay, let me keep moving with this. So it's not as though my life has been planned. It's uh, uh, just, you know, so I I think that the book, uh, a memoir cookbook about that is really makes itself a bit different from other sort of romantic and beautiful and family. It's, you know, this has some dark stuff to it because there's a lot of dark stuff in my life, as I think there really is in most people's lives. So it goes from the dark to the sort of sublime in many ways. So that's why it's very personal to me and important to me, I think. Well, I wish you the best as that Thank you. Un- unfolds, emerges, and, and as you continue to work on it. Cynthia, for someone who wants to learn more about you and, and what you're doing and uh, perhaps get in touch with you, where's the best place to go? Well, there are my two websites. One is the sinful, uh, C-Y-N-F-U-L-F-O-O-D. That's uh, that's sinfulfood.com. And then there's, that is non-cannabis and a little bit more about my history and who I am. And then the sinfully canna, which is C-Y, oh God, I got to spell it, C-Y-N-F, sinfully, U-L-Y-C-A-N-N-A. That is the cannabis. uh, And it's a lot, it's a very current about what I've done in the last two years in regards to uh, cannabis dinners and explaining more about who I am on that level. And then I really would love for people to come to my Instagram because there I do a lot of live videos and uh, you get to know a little bit more about the food I'm just doing daily. And that's Sinful Food, C-Y-N-F-U-L-F-O-O-D underscore. And uh, so those are, those are really the best ways to reach out to me. Okay, great. Or to read more about me, for yep. sure. And we, we'll put all those links in the show notes. So, Yeah, thank you. To make it easier. Um, Cynthia, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join us today on Smash. You're so welcome. Uh, my guest has been the owner of Sinful Food Catering and Events, Cynthia Sistito. Thank you again, Cynthia, for joining us. Thank you, honey. It was a pleasure very much. So thank you. When you visit the Smashing the Plateau website at smashingtheplateau.com, You'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mention on the show. Today we learned how to stay positive, focused, and moving forward even at times of extreme adversity. Please share this episode with friends and colleagues to help them smash the plateau. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help us bring Smashing the Plateau to you for free. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.